Hey there, I'm Peter Flax. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Red Bulletin magazine and a journalist with 20-plus years covering sports and adventure. I've always believed that there are stories that come out of sports that say something important about the culture we live in and reflect the important issues of our time. Welcome to Family Crest, a podcast that explores how so many elite athletes got to the top with a family member behind them, inspiring and challenging them from an early age. In quite a few sports, it's tough to reach the top if you didn't have someone pushing and teaching you when you were young. Surfing is definitely one of those sports. In my job here at Red Bull, I've gotten to meet tons of pro surfers, and I've seen how many had a parent who paddled out with them at an age where most of their friends were home watching cartoons. Well, when you're, when you're successful and you're that young, you know, you're 15 or 16, you're kind of, you feel like you can tell anyone to fuck off, really, you know. <laughs> and who better than your dad, right? <laughs> this season, we're looking at surfers and their support network. Surfers like Kolohe Andino, who competed in the 2020 Tokyo Olympics and is the son of former pro surfer Dino Andino. You know, really, I just want to be in the water all the time. It's like, if I'm not in the water, I'm not very stoked. Family bonds are complicated, something that transcends sports. So let's dive in. Check out Family Crest wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, let's kick off what's going to be a huge show with drinkag1.com slash surf. Heck to the yes. You know, uh, I've been kind of busy. My body's been stressed. My mind's been stressed because of uh, the boardroom show and the auction, which is taking place. One thing I can count on is my AG1 to keep my uh, nutrients, to keep the vitamins flowing inside of me. Of course, all organically sourced. AG1, it's part of my daily life. And frankly, I'm going to tell you right now, it would be silly if it wasn't a part of your life as well. Uh, recovery is something that I think has come up in conversation in recent years. It's been a big focus, it seems, for athletes more than ever. And with the whole ice bath movement, and AG1 actually um, is designed to help your body with recovery as well. So I think that's key. Like the older you get, the more kind of taxed you feel after exercise. And so doing anything that will expedite the process to feeling better and not feeling sore, I think is key. Yeah, totally agree. Dude, AG1, drinkag1.com. Damn it, drinkag1.com. It's very simple, Scott. Drinkag1.com. I'm talking to myself in the third person. This, by the way, not a benefit of AG1. <laughs> uh, by the way, speaking of ice baths, yes. our buddy Rob Colby from uh, Colby Plus, who had a phenomenal showing at the boardroom show, is also in the ice bath business for anybody who wants to know. Um, and Scott may be making a purchase at some time soon, it seems. But uh, the Colby, it's called Santa Barbara Ice Baths, I think is that business name. And um, they're among the most beautiful ice baths that I've seen. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about getting my new ice bath. I'm, uh, I just got to convince wifey. And um, she's pliable. She's into it. She wants a whole new backyard if I get an ice bath. So <laughs> new stuff could be happening here. You just have to design the ice bath into the backyard, and then you both win. Exactly right, which is going to happen. Yeah, okay. Well, drinkag1.com slash surf for whole body vitality and to help support the show, in fact. So check it out. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry, this thing holding open, it spits. Uh, when it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Welcome, David. It is October. It's Friday the 13th. My goodness. It's a spooky, scary Friday the 13th here in the year 2023. And good morning, David. We're at Spit. We're talking all things surf here, Spit Podcast. 
have you recovered from the weekend that was at the boardroom show? I'm starting to get to some recovery, but man, it was a, uh, it's been a, an exciting week as we honored Bing Copeland and it was such a great show. I mean, it was, I've never had such positive feedback from my exhibitors and from people that went to the show, the positive vibe, the buzz at the show, the amount of people at the show. I mean, it truly was a surf industry get together and, um, wow, great show. What do you attribute the, uh, the success to? You know, it's interesting. I'm not sure exactly. Obviously I sink a lot of money into marketing. Um, I do marketing with Surfline and obviously on social media, but some of it could frankly be to Bing, you know, Bing is a huge figure in the surf world and in within the surfboard building manufacturing industry. And I think Bing is a big draw, Bing Copeland, you know, he's 88 years old, 87 years old. And, um, for him to be there, there's a lot of people that just wanted to pay homage to Bing and to and to support Bing and say hello to Bing and to tell Bing how much that Bing and Bing surfboards meant to them. And so there's that. Then there's the Tom Kern effect. There's the Ben Gravy effect. There's, um, uh, you know, there's just a lot that a lot of things came together to make it um, probably the busiest boardroom show we've ever done. Yeah. I don't know how to pin it on one thing and maybe you're right. It's just a collection of all of the things put together. But if I look at past years, there was always those things too, you know, like Jerry Lopez is a big draw and Tom Mm -hmm. Curran has been there in the past as well. And so I'm not exactly sure what it is. Um, and I would like to think that it's an indicator of business starting to rebound a little bit because in addition to it just being busy, it seemed that surfboard sales were through the roof. Like some booths sold every surfboard in their booth, you know? Yeah, it's so. true. The surfboard sales, we were, I was really excited about that. As well as all sales, wetsuit sales were really great. Um, so sales were happening, which is a great sign, right? For for everybody. I Within 30 minutes on the first day, on Saturday, I turned to whoever I was with and I was like, this is already like the best show I feel that I can remember in history. And so I, and again, even then I couldn't put my finger on it because yes, it was crowded and yes, there was a line of people waiting to get in, but that's happened in the past as well. It was the vibe that was just high, you know, like for some reason it was just a totally different vibe, uh, in the best possible way. Like everybody was psyched to be there. So then I started thinking, what do we attribute this to? Maybe it's just the COVID kind of hangover is gone. Maybe that was still lingering last year. Maybe it's gone. Maybe because business has been depressed, people are eager to run out of that. And so they're just like eager to get together, eager to kind of discuss everything and, you know, ready for the new chapter or something. And then couple that with, of course, Bing is nothing but positive vibes. You know, Bing is the coolest dude ever. And then, you know, and even like you said, Ben Gravy, it's like Ben Gravy the new kind of changing of uh, whatever the guard or like the young media land, young media guys being there. And he's all about positivity, couple all of that stuff together. And yeah, it made for the best show ever. And, and there were some real luminaries there, at least in, you know, the guys who I consider luminaries, you know, um, Jeff divine was there. Of course we had quite a few of our past honorees, uh, Carl Ekstrom, Mark Andrini, who sold like 15 surfboards. Crazy. Um, Timmy Patterson, Rusty Preisendorfer. Those were some of the past icons of foam that we have honored in the past. They were all in attendance. Um, Steve Pesman was there. Um, I'm sure there's a bunch of people that I didn't even see that were there that are sort of luminary, like a Jock Sutherland. I saw Jock. Um course you were there you're limited Chaz I saw Chaz it was cool to see Chaz there I was stoked to see Chaz there and and how many how fun was it to um have listeners of this podcast come up and say hi and say thank you for the podcast that they enjoy it so yeah thanks for thanks to everybody for coming out and being a part of it and in many ways I mean the boardroom show is for you guys I mean it's it's a show for hardcore surfers that love surf gear and um it makes sense that it would be a positive and uh, well-attended experience. It 
isn't possible without the surfboard builders, obviously. They are the main exhibitors. And so them kind of putting their heart and soul into those builds and documenting them in advance and advertising them in advance, I think, creates the draw. Um, and so the attendee in the, yeah, so the attendees show up kind of psyched to just participate in all, in all of it. Um, in relation to listeners though, there's each year that we've been doing this, which is probably 10 years now, we get more and more listeners coming in. It's at this point, it's nonstop listeners that are coming up to say hi, you know, uh, for two days straight, just kind of a steady stream of everybody that you encounter is like, Oh, I listen to the show or whatever. But, um, there's like a number of stories that stand out to me. One of them was a father and son that flew out specifically to the show from New Jersey. And the son is 22 years old and kind of a recreational hobby shaper. And Roger Hines happened to be nearby at the time that they walked up. And so they mentioned, Hey, I listen to your podcast and my son's starting to shape. And so he, the kid and Roger start talking and Roger asks him a couple of questions. The kid had answers, but questions back. Roger goes, come with me out to my van. Uh, so he goes out, no jokes, please. <laughs> so the kid follows Roger out to his van and, um, Roger opens up his toolkit and he's like, Hey, this is the, t- these are the tools that you should be using. And by the way, more expensive tools are better. So these are the exact ones that you want to buy. Save up your money. Get the right ones. It'll save you countless boards. And um, the dad was just so enamored that Roger took the time to do that. And so then they came back in and they explained, you know, their different um, touch points with the show. It was just stuff like that all weekend long. Really, really cool. Yeah, I agree. There were so many, uh, as you say, touch points throughout the show. And how about the guys from... The, the couple from Ireland that came all the way from Ireland is so Leon, right? Or what's his name? Leon? Kean. Kean. K-I-A-N. Yeah, Kean and his wife are listeners of the show, and they were stoked. And, um, and you know, uh, Crefeer with Prima Woodfins. Crefeer came all the way from Italy. And, of course, we had people from Australia. And, um, and of course, our buddies, I love John and the crew from Space Rock Glassing in New Jersey. They brought oysters. They were shucking oysters in their booth. That's the kind of fun stuff that, that you know, I look back and I go, what's my favorite part of the show? I'm like, you know what? Shucking oysters in a booth is so cool. The coolest. I, I couldn't believe it. I, your wife actually told me, she's like, did you get oysters? And I just thought she meant like there was a concession stand selling oysters. And she goes, No. The guys from Rhode Island came out and they had a bushel of oysters like overnighted from their local sound, you know, where the oysters are actually raised. And it turns out one of the guys from Space Rock worked in the oyster. I don't know if it's a farm or what you call it, but he worked in the oyster farm uh, previously. And so he's like an expert. So I walk over there and he starts explaining what's unique about those oysters I've eat, we go to restaurants, occasionally we order a dozen oysters, but, and it's like two are Blue Point, and two are from here, and two are from there. By the time the waiter walks away, I forgot which ones are which. I just start eating them, and I'm like, this one's pretty good, that one's a little bit better, but I don't know what's what or how to distinct, tell the difference. Everything that he explained about these Rhode Island oysters, I could taste in the brine. Yeah. You know, it was like he said... You know, these, I don't know what he said, these birds or these animals or whatever, the water does this and then we move them over here and then it gets fresh water or whatever. It was yeah. like, it was distinctly different than any oyster that I ever had. Yeah, so great. And I'm, I'm a huge <clears throat> oyster fan. And uh, what, a, what a wonderful thing. By the way, um, I'm in real very tentative talks to try to do a boardroom show over there on some level. I don't know what that looks like. Again, it's very preliminary right now, but I love the idea of somehow trying to do a boardroom show in the Northeast on the coast. I agree with you. That'd be amazing. And that community has grown quite a bit. Um, by the way, I emailed those guys and I'm going to have, I'm getting the contact information from the oyster place and they're going to ship me out a, a bushel for Austin's second birthday. We're going to do the exact same thing here. <laughs> I think it's Seakist, S-E-A-K-I-S-T. Okay, good. I think. I mean, okay, good. Thank you. I'm waiting for the reply email still. So, <clears throat> well, yeah, um, so great show. I mean, incredible. I think another one of the highlights was um, was Tom Curran playing music. I don't know if you got to go out and see that, but Tom and Pat Curran, Tom played the ukulele and sang, and and Pat 
um, played electric guitar and threw some bass notes down there. And it was, uh, they were great. I mean, uh, Tom's a great singer. And I know Tom thoroughly enjoys that too. Good. That's epic. Um, cycling back or circling back to the Irish couple. Mm. They were, the way that it always works or sometimes works is I'm sitting here standing, talking to somebody and I see somebody in the periphery who's like lingering. And I'm like, I'm not sure if they're lingering, waiting to talk to me or maybe Bing's behind me or something like that. But I saw that couple and then eventually they moseyed over, kind of inched their way over. It was his wife, in fact. And she's like, hey, I just want to interrupt. My husband's a fan. He's not going to come up and say hi, but he wants to say hi to you guys. And so I'm going to do it for him. And we, I'm, I'm like, you guys, they're like, we're from Ireland. I'm like, wow, did you come out just for the show? He goes, no. We were already planning to be out here. We're kind of scouting some stuff. I'm in a band and we're going to be out here playing. And so we're going to come back for the tour. I'm like, well, what band is it? And she, he was kind of hemming and hawing and his wife jumps in and she goes, they're like the Irish Backstreet Boys. And then I look at him and he's looking a little bit older, long in the tooth, a little bit gruff. And I'm like, Backstreet Boy, you seem a little aged out. And he goes, no, I started when I was 17 or 18 back in like the late 90s. And we never really hit it in America, but we're kind of like a, a deal everywhere else. The band is called Westlife. For anybody who wants to listen, Westlife. And um, so they're coming back, I guess, for like the St. Patrick's Day, uh, you know, era or time, like around that, that time of year for March. And they're going to be touring a lot on the uh, East Coast where there's a lot more Irish presence. But I was like, dude, I'm going to research you after. I apologize that I don't know who Westlife is right now. But after the fact, I am dying to see the Backstreet Boy style photos, you know, the boy band photos. And he and his wife both are laughing. They're like, no, it's it's silly. Like the outfits that we used to have to wear in that era were silly. Yeah. But um, all those boy bands are kind of coming back now and doing tours again. And so I think they're enjoying the success 20 years on you know i'd like to go see them i'd like just because we're we fans should. of ian's and his wife's it would be fun to go see westlife just because i want to support what they do you know totally that would be epic and i did again so i did research it after the fact and they're huge you know they have a huge following so it's kind of it's so cool that like the surf world as small as it is it has um you know fans from everywhere and so yeah. we kind of get these these interactions with people who or from all walks of life, you know. Surfing, you know, it's the one little string and web that um, transcends and, and fits in everybody's life. I mean, surfing's such a huge part of all of our lives. So um, whether you're a bricklayer or a singer in a band, you know, surfing's foundational. Yeah, totally. And our interactions with those people are equally as kind of um, interesting to me. I'll tell you my favorite interaction from the show. I hate to downplay Kean or anybody else, but. Uh, Karen Howard, Devin Howard's mom. Oh yeah. <laughs> she walked, she, same thing. She walks up to me. I see her coming in from 20 feet away. She's like, you're David, right? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, I just want to introduce myself. I'm Devin's mom. And I was like, no way. And I don't think that Karen would ever listen to me except for the fact that she supports everything that her son does. And so at some point, Devin was on the podcast and she listened to it because of that. And I think that she's listened since then because she kind of had references that um, only a listener would know. And she was there with a friend who I don't remember her name, but they started surfing together in the 70s in contests in Rhode Island. And here they are hanging out 50 years later, you know, at the boardroom show. That's cool. That's kind of like the boardroom show in a nutshell. It's kind of like a high school reunion, you know? So that's cool. And I did speak with Devin's mom and um, yeah, super cool. Super good well, stuff. I patted her on the back and I said, congratulations, take a bow, enjoy this rest of your life. You did a great job raising two amazing boys. Yeah, Matt, um, Devin's brother, is it Matt? Yeah, Matt Howard. I, I, I've actually not met him. Oh, Brett, 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 Brett. Anyway, I know him really well. I served him all the time, and I for, forgive me if I butchered your name, but um, he worked at Mitch's for like 30 years. He might still work there. I don't know, but um, he's a great guy too. And so, yeah, I did. I said the same exact thing. I said, congratulations on raising two great young men, and, and they are. And so it was cool seeing her. That's cool that that's your favorite moment. That's that's so cool. I, you know, my favorite moment is probably seeing my dad there. You know, it's... It, 
you know how these things are with family. So it's it's cool. It's good. It's really cool. Um, another talking point is best in show. Oh my! Bon- the Bonzers. You've been putting out the call here on the podcast for months now. Like, hey, you don't have to pay to exhibit. You just contribute a Bonzer, and we will put it in the best in show. The Campbell brothers will be there on hand, and they will pick a winner of the you know the best Bonzer essentially. And I walked the floor. I couldn't pick a favorite. And to be honest, I felt bad even uh, trying to because there were no losers. Like they were all distinctly different, even though they were bonzers and equally worth winning in their own way, depending on how you created the criteria, you know, like they were incredible. Yeah, it was. The, I mean, I I'll say this again, but it was the best, best in show we've ever had. A huge congratulations and shout out to everybody that showed up with bonzers. In many ways, it was a, a lot of people were just paying um, respects to the bonzer design and to Malcolm and Duncan. And um, so we had just a huge, like, what a great display of surfboards. <clears throat> and it was magnificent. And they were incredible. And I know that Duncan and Malcolm had a super difficult job trying to determine which one was best in show and um and amazingly they they've just they picked this beautiful board by Shea Soma that was just an incredible bonzer and and it you know I think it's really neat that the one they chose was just a guy who's making his own boards you know like he's probably got a little following but he's you know he's not in any major surf shop like you won't be able to find his designs anywhere and here he is out of the entire surfboard manufacturing industry the winner amazing yeah shay i got a chance to talk to him quite a bit and i've talked to him in previous board show uh boardroom shows so when he walked up i'm like we've met before right and then it it all kind of came back to me um he's in san luis obispo shapes out of his house totally did it just starting out as a hobby and um, now his boards are available in Mollusk. I don't know if all Mollusk oh, cool. locations, but I think at least a Mollusk location. And then also Daydream Surf Shop, uh, coffee shop in Costa Mesa, California, which is near me. And they do a phenomenal job of curating like uh, small builders, essentially. And they get five at a time. That's cool. Um, yeah, so he's with con- a couple of conscientious retailers who like really understand design and can help guide the right customer to the right board. Yeah. Like I said, I'm, there's, that's one guy I wouldn't mind ordering a surfboard from Shea. Like, yeah. you know, luckily I didn't, I actually didn't leave this, sh- this show with any surfboards. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, I thought the same thing. Like I understood why Shea's won actually, because it was traditional. Like some of the other ones, they were um, asymmetrical or kind of doing different things with the fins. Uh, and so those are those probably work great and they're great, but for whatever reason, maybe the Campbell brothers decided to pick one that was a little bit more traditional. And Shay's was, but it was perfect. And the construction was really, really like the finish work and the um, inlay over the fins. There was like a cloth inlay on the bottom that then wrapped the fins. That all made it spectacular and like a touch above in terms of aesthetic but with all the traditional aspects of a bonzer. So I understood my, maybe why they chose that. But to your point, I wanted to order one. And I was thinking, man, maybe for El Salvador, like this would be a decent board for El Salvador. But if it has glassed on fins, then it makes it harder to transport in the bag. So maybe you don't want to bring it. Uh, don't let that stop you. Don't let the glass on. You're just going to wrap it so it's safe. Put a little cardboard box around the fins. Okay. I need a, I'm looking for a board for Indo. So I might reach out to Shay and see. I'd like to see some of his designs. I bet if I go to Mollus, can I pull up his boards, do you think? Shea Soma. Just go to his Instagram account. Yeah. There you go. Boom. Yeah. Shea Soma. Yeah. I will. Yeah, Shea Soma. I'm going to check it out. Um, and then uh, a couple of other things. First of all, Colby. We've been talking about Colby Plus wetsuits. Um, they were there, and I saw everybody walking around with a bag, including Kean from Ireland. Yeah. Um, walking around with a Colby Plus bag. So that was great to see them having success too for the just water kicking off. Down a bit. I wore my Colby Plus two days ago out here and um, there's been good waves here. So it is definitely um, starting to get to be full suit weather. So get your Colby Plus. I purchased one for one of my dear friends. Of course, I have one. And two of my friends, two of my dearest friends bought their new Yamamoto rubber Colby Plus wetsuits at the show. Um, 
Christian from Treeswax was also at the boardroom show. I saw him handing out samples to everybody. And then, of course, I think the Shapers won Driftline board, board shorts too, right? The Drifties? Yeah, they were, yeah, they were gifted. Um, all, all eight Shapers got Driftlines. But yeah, the Treeswax, I love the Treeswax. And I'll tell you, the most important thing for me for wax is that it works. And this is performance-based, super sticky, tacky wax that, oh, by the way, is also good for the environment, good for the planet. So it's a no-brainer. And it was great to see Christian there. And um, yeah, Trees Wax, do yourself a favor. David, mention the retailers where you can get the Trees Wax. Um, Pure Surf and Hermosa, Rincon Designs, the Surf Haberdashery and Capitola. I've mentioned many others in the past. They're all up and down the West Coast. Um, I know Mollusk carries it. And then, of course, TreesWax.com. It's probably not worth going on there and just buying a bar of wax, but buy a box of wax and then it'll keep you in stock throughout the entire year. Works every bit as good as regular wax. It's just made from rocks and trees. There's no petroleum, so it's really great. And then, of course, Driftline. I feel like um, I can't get the word out fast enough. If you're going to be trunking it, just wear Driftlines. I mean, they're neoprene you know, uh, half millimeter of neoprene. So you got compression, which equals comfort, prevents chafe and a little bit of warmth. You know, water is usually, you know, you can get a little bit chilly even if you're trunking it and it's warm enough to trunk. So that little bit of half a millimeter is just perfect. It's the perfect amount. And so glad to share that stuff with those shapers. Yeah, driftline.co and promo code SPIT to save you 15%. Well, there's a lot of cool guys that, you know, that we ran into at the boardroom show, and those are just a couple of them. And then also, I had never met Thomas Bexon before. And of course, I hear people hyping him um, and raving about the boards, and you did that interview with him and stuff. But man, what a gregarious, fun character he is. Yeah, he's pretty Australian through and through, you know? And, and just what a talent. Like, Watching him shape a surfboard, I had never seen anybody do that before. He was one-handing the planer and staying on one side of the board and just reaching over and dragging the planer across the other side, but with precision. You know, it looked it looked very... Um, and, and not spilling a drop. <laughs> was he holding a beer, too? The other hand. I didn't I see know. that. That's the, that's the joke. I don't think that's the case, but you never know. It was wild, you know, and Dane Purley just attacking. Like he was vicious with the planer. You and what it drew my attention to it was I heard it. I just hear a planer just going wah 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 wah, and I glance over and he is like in full um, attack mode, just going to town on that thing. So it was really interesting to see those guys. Yeah, those guys. Did. What's so fun, as you know, about the the um, shaping is that that no two shapers are alike in their technique and the way they go about shaping a board. And so it was fascinating watching all of that. And Dane Purley is, I mean, all of those guys are incredible, incredible shapers. And they all did a really great job of, of honoring Bing Copeland. You know, that's what this was all about, honoring Bing. And they all brought their A games and, um, and it was, that was cool. So uh, what, obviously there's three boards that are, um, replicated throughout the course of the weekend. Can you explain the three boards? Yeah, one of them was like a 1973, 1974 swallowtail that Bing shaped, that Bing designed. Um, and that was the round one board. And so 73, 74 is kind of right as things are starting to transition into shorter boards. And his business was traditionally long boards. And so he was, maybe that was among the first kind of shorter designs well, he had done some a bunch of transition era boards like the foil and the Karma and the Maui foil, which became the foil, and um, some other ones. In fact, uh, you know that's the board that Rolf Arnass won the world championship on, a uh, Bing foil. Um, so that he had a bunch of short boards, but this was more like okay, the board, the rails have gone into a down rail design. Um, we're starting to kind of get out of some of the wackiness of the transition era, and now we know what what's really starting to work here. Um, you know, a tucked edge all of a sudden makes tons of sense. Not a super hard down rail, but something with uh, a tucked edge. And then the, the second one was uh, the Bing David Nueva Lightweight, which was basically designed with Bing and Dan Bendixson was the shaper for Bing. So that board was shaped by Dan Bendixson, the Lightweight. 
and then the of course the bonzer and that the board that they replicated was a bing shaped bonzer one of the first or second bonzers made by the bing store after duncan and malcolm came to him and said hey this is the board we'd like you to, you know they they discussed licensing and building the board for the campbell brothers and when they did that <clears throat> both mike eaton and and um Bing Copeland decided, okay, well, these things seem to work. Let's make one. And that's the one of the first ones they made to sort of get a prototype out there and into the hands of their riders. Amazing. Yeah, that thing was wild looking. Um, yeah. And what a challenge to replicate in 90 minutes. And the other thing is on the finals day, there's two that you have to replicate in 90 minutes, right? Or was it? No, there, there are two. You got to do semifinals and a finals. It's, it's right. Frankly, it's right, a right. lot to ask of the shapers. I mean, it's, it's a, it's, it's hard, you know, it's more than hard. It's, it's just tons of stress, tons of emotionally stress. You know, it's hard. It, it physically, it's hard. You're on your feet all day long. How many passes are you making? And you got everybody looking at you. And so it's a, it truly is a competition. And, and frankly, I feel like we need to pay the guys more than we pay them. You know, I just don't have the, the resources right now to do that. But, um, I would love it if if we could make that happen somehow, but you know we'll see. I yeah, did double. I, mean, I did double the pay this year. Yeah. 1, so the winner wins two thousand bucks. But honestly, that would be great if you could pay everybody, or maybe the winner doesn't get more, but everybody gets something because it's really not about winning. To be honest, it's more yeah. just about. And like I said, with the best in show stuff you don't even want to pick a loser essentially yeah. like by virtue of picking a winner, then there are losers and therefore they're all really equally good. It's hard to tease apart what's what. And the vibe of the weekend is just to celebrate in this case, bang. And so why not just get together and celebrate? And yeah, sure. There is a competition element, but spread it around equal pay for everybody or something like that. You know? Yeah. And I do, uh, we do our best to tell that, um, the shapers and we don't really need to tell them they get it you know that yeah this is a competition but what we're really doing is we're honoring bing copeland here so let's not lose the plot yeah well um in regard to it being a very challenging thing to do two boards in one day under a 90 minute constraint i'm not shaping surfboards i'm just um interacting with everybody and that's exhausting being on your feet all day and engaging is very exhausting. And those shapers have twice as many obligations to engage as I do because yeah. of their stature. And so they're shaping and entertaining essentially with people. There's no downtime for them. So I feel like all those guys probably sleeping it off for until now, you know, for four or five days just to recover. No doubt. And and hats off to the two finalists, Wayne Rich and Michael Arnall and incredible a competition for sure. Totally. And great, by the way, Michael Arnall, um, you just interviewed him a couple of, maybe a month or two ago, and he's, you know, young, up and coming. He's doing some boards for Hobie. So this is a huge kind of um, coming out party, I think, for him, you know, which is just great to see. Yeah, for sure. So, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, awesome. Well, I've got a listener feedback uh call from last week about us discussing the thrill being gone i've got somebody with a foil inquiry for you we have the wsl longboard finals that we can discuss yeah, let me take a quick break and let's get to all that stuff okay sounds good scott bass waterways travel.com they are responsible for hooking us up with el salvador in april but for and it's sold out, by the way, so nobody needs to get on that or uh, email us about that. But if anybody wants to travel the world, where should they go? Well, Waterways Travel. The thing about surf travel is you want to go with experience. And Sean Murphy and his crew at Waterways Travel have decades of surf experience. They're hardcore surfers. That's another thing. It's kind of like when you get a surfboard shaped, you want, it's, it's kind of nice to have a guy who knows how to surf. And these guys know how to travel. Waterways travel. It's a no-brainer, and we're excited about our trip coming up to El Salvador this spring. Absolutely, yeah. And I, by the way, met um, a couple of guys from Waterways, Chris and Brian, who I'd never met in person before. Chris has been a longtime listener. Brian has too, actually. Um, and they both work at Waterways Travel. They came up at the boardroom show and introduced themselves. We had a long chat so and discussed some of the upcoming El Salvador trips. So 
amazing crew there. Reach out to them for wherever you want to travel in the world. They'll simplify, they'll save money, they'll guarantee you score, waterwaystravel.com. And then Trip Foreman with the savviest marketing move of all time, walking around towards the end of the day on Sunday when everybody is exhausted and parched. And uh, he had a Yeti full of beers that he was just handing out, looking at the shapers, looking at friends like, hey, man, you need a drink, tossing them a beer. Uh, great way, goodwill, great way to establish goodwill. People will forever think of Trip fondly uh, due to that move. So shout out to Trip Foreman from Real Water Sports. But he was just hyped because obviously they had that um, nonstop surf. I think there was three hurricanes and a tropical storm all in the month of September. So the outer banks were totally pumping. Um, and a who's who, I mean, they're local, Brett Barley and those guys were shredding, but also Corey Lopez came up, Michael Dunphy came up, and they, their crew there, Jeffrey O'Neill, their filmer, documented everything over the course of that month. They've put it all together into a surf film. So Trip was hyped on the film. It's called September Rain. It debuts today, actually, on realwatersports.com. So go there and check that out if you want to see what the Outer Banks looks like in its finest version. Um, and then I'm sure that video will go wide beyond that. I'll, in fact, put it on surfsplendorpodcast.com just to share it there. But September Rain on realwatersports.com. They just go from strength to strength between their video reviews, their actual films, and then their retail. We love them. Great partners. Realwatersports.com. All right, well, welcome back. Let me read this foiling inquiry to you, Scott. Listener wrote in and said, hey, David, potential topic for the podcast. If there's a foiler who's pumping back into the lineup after a wave, directly connecting it to the next wave, at what point is it okay to drop in? We're talking beach breaks with various different surfers and styles of boards in the lineup with waves and waves that have enough face to ride a short board and do turns. I started dropping in after the first round. I figure it's like he caught a wave and returned to the lineup just to sit directly at the top of the queue again, which is pretty much drop-in worthy regardless of what craft you're riding. I'm looking forward to hearing Scott's opinion on this one. This comes from Chris in the DM section. Uh, This is a great question. And of course, every situation is nuanced, but I think that if you're on a foil and you're pumping back out, and you're catching other waves and there are normal shortboard or longboard surfers in the water, you need to yield. That's just being a commonsensical, kind, loving human being. Like if you're selfishly going, you're being a dick. Like it, like life's pretty simple. Don't be a dick. You know, like, and, it, and it's like driving, surfing, you know, shopping, you know, don't go to Trader Joe's and stuff your cart in the friggin' small little vegetable section. Like leave your cart and then walk to the vegetables. But, you know, everybody's got their, you know, I'm certainly no angel. Lord knows, you know, we get, we get caught up in ourselves, which is the problem, right? Mm. The bondage yep. itself. And then we turn into jerks. And, um, and I'm like, if you drop in on a foiler, I think, um, you know, like I said, do you do you, I wouldn't do that. I would probably just talk to them first, but I've also been the guy that's like, Hey, if you're going on everything, so am I, that's often my attitude when there's guys doing laps. I'm just like, Hey, if you're going to go on everything, so am I. And then when we have a situation after I drop in on him, I just look at him and go, Hey, if you're going to go on every wave, so am I, you know, and at which other all day long, bro. And honestly, that approach I like, because it's not, it's not like yelling at the person it's create, it is confrontational, but it's not like puffing up your chest and trying to fight them. It's just letting them know what they've been doing wrong. And then they're very not, they're not very likely at that point to throw a punch. They're very likely just to kind of punches can't be thrown no matter what. I mean, I mean, some people do. I mean, if you started yelling at them, then they're more likely to throw a punch. If you just say, Hey, you're going on every wave. I'm going on every wave. It kind of lets them know in a confrontational way that would, I think, diffuse the situation rather than escalate the situation. But with the foil, it becomes challenging because it's dangerous. Like burning a dude on a foil could (laughs) cause them to eat crap and put you in peril. And if they're in that lineup already, they're 
not a super savvy foiler because savvy foilers know not to go surf where there's a bunch of short borders. You know, there's other options for them. That's exactly right. So, yeah, go ahead. So they might be more likely to eat crap because they're not that savvy. Um, But I do like the approach of taking off on them. I think that that also lets them know that they've probably crossed a certain boundary with the dominant populace that's in the water, which is the surfers or the short borders or whatever. So I, I think it's okay to go after one round, set the, set the record straight at that point and let them know what's up. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I think it's a very rare situation. I'm sure it occurs. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's all being, that's the other thing is it's all brand new. So it's all being sorted out now. There's no, uh, definitive rules or kind of etiquette. So we're sorting it out now. Is that there's, there's some really good foil foilers that come from the wing foiling or the kite foiling world. <clears throat> yeah. And, um, they're good athletes, but they haven't spent, you know, long periods of time in the surf lineup and sort of engaging and understanding sort of the, for the lack of a better phrase, unwritten rules of the lineup. And, and because they're not in the surf sphere or the surf space, um, you know, they, there's a very sharing vibe with, with foilers, you know, like mm. everybody goes on every wave, you know what I mean? Because we all just go different directions and we kick out and pump out and just do random stuff. So, um, you know, occasionally there, you know, there's going to be a situation, but for the most part, all the guys that I've been foiling with, for, with it, maybe there's one exception where you're like, okay, dude, they, when they're pumping out and going like, they're like 300 yards away from you in, in about 15 seconds. And, and when they see me going on a wave, they're like, go, go. And they just turn and they go another, you got so much speed. You're not beholden to the wave face. Yeah, totally. Well, I'd like listeners to note October 13th, 2023 is when Scott referred to himself as we, when discussing foiling, <laughs> he's a, <laughs> The foilers in the lineup, we blah 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 blah. That I've been officially surfing. self-identified. Okay, that's a, that's an amazing moment. Okay, for sure. But I have been surfing a ton. Like there, and that's in my show notes. Actually, is El Nino, man. It's insane what's what's going down with El Nino right now. Um, so I've been surfing again, and it's been great. And um, and we've had some really good surf down here in San Diego the past I don't know four or five days. Like surfable, you know, fun. Sometimes it's two to three. You know, yesterday was pretty solid. Today looks really good. Um, and so I'm back on this surf thing and it's super fun. I, I, I missed surfing, you know, like I, I, they're two totally different things. And basically for me, I'm foiling when it's, when it's crappy yeah. and when the waves are good, I want to go surfing and I will go surfing and that's what I'm doing. And, um, but yeah, <clears throat> I guess you could nail me for self-identifying. Let me tell you about El Nino though. Guess, yeah. guess what it's like. So there's this extra tropical storm, this one of the most powerful storms we've seen in quite a while down in the Western Pacific, sort of sort of like off of Papua New Guinea and in that area in the Marianas area, so to speak. And that thing is spinning up a mean ass. Well, it already has spun up. A, it's a mean ass low pressure. It's a, it's a tropical. It's a cyclone and it's moving. It's going extra tropical, which means that I think it and don't hold me to this, but I think it means it crosses the dateline. Hmm. And it's going to, I mean, Hawaii is going to be pumping in the next couple of days. And I mean, the North shore, like pipeline's going to be eight to 10 feet in a couple of days and really good. Although there's probably a lot of sand there, but there's been, you know, usually these early se- the early season in Hawaii, you get tons of North swells, but we've got West swells coming in right now. There's a train of them. So early season Hawaii looks insane and not, and that's not the least of it because there's South swell that's hitting Hawaii too. So Hawaii's getting a ton of great El Nino swell right now. And I just say El Nino for, uh, you know, lack of a, I'm just kind of putting a blanket characterization on it. But certainly when you have an El Nino, which we do, warm water at the surface in the Western Pacific, it just fuels the atmosphere. It's like putting gas on the storm producing atmosphere and low pressure after low pressure will sort of bloom from the warm water that is occurring thanks to El Nino. So it's, and there was an El Nino advisory last week that says El Nino is going into the springtime. Like this is a super wow. strong one. And, um, and we're set up here in California for our first, 
If you look at what's going to happen next week here in California, there is a westerly directed, not a northwest, a westerly directed storm that's going to um, send some really good westerly directed waves our way. And that's more or less the characterization of an El Nino in my eyes is when the jet stream drops down to a point where the low pressures are more westerly directed. The jet stream isn't up above in Alaska. It's kind of down like off of Washington on that um, zone. But anyway, we're, you know, it's, it's here and it's coming. And that's one of the reasons I'm back in the water on a surfboard is that I need to be prepared. My skill set needs to get dialed back in. For sure. And honestly, yeah. uh, that's board. Are we talking about boards to sales being depressed? It's been a couple of slow seasons for surfing locally. And so I'm curious to see if just having good waves, you know, spike sales. Cause I think it does. I think it's that directly related. I, I absolutely agree. There's no yeah. doubt about it. I mean, that's why I'm like, you know, I want to get a board from Shea Soma cause I know I'm going to go to a place that has waves. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Everybody within the sound of our voice, start getting your winter uh, quiver queued up. And your river wetsuit, like your your winter wetsuits. I've got my winter wetsuits all lined up. I just bought booties. I'm like gearing up for a season because I think it's going to be a season. Good. Yeah. Awesome. Let me play this listener line call for you. Hey, David Lee Scales and Scott Bass. Just listen to the spit from October 3rd. You know what? You guys hit home and I don't feel so bad about my life anymore. You guys were talking about people that kind of grew up, you know, the thrill is gone, all those types of things. So 55 years old, been surfing for 40 years. The last, honestly, the last two, three years, I've probably been surfing less than a dozen times in the last three years. Uh, you know, spent a long time in Oceanside, living on the beach back in the day when you had a one-bedroom apartment for 400 bucks. Of course, that's all changed now. Moved inland. Um, wife, kids, family, mortgage, full-time job, you know, but I try to hang on to that, that youthfulness of surfing. I, you know, just re recently bought a brand new surfboard from Gary Linden a year ago. I've literally ridden it twice, but it's not because I don't want to. It's because a, I just don't have the time I used to have. Um, I got a special son on top of that, which is takes a lot of my time. Uh, but I try to stay close to the surf community. I go to the boardroom show every year, although I'm not going to surf because I'm actually going out to the river right now as I'm driving uh, for my last river trip. But, you know, things change. And there's times that I feel bad, like, dang, I need to get out to the beach. I got to go surfing. And then I say to myself, you know, it's not like I have to go surfing. I'm not going to die if I don't go surfing. Because when I do go, I paddle right out, I stand right up, and I fire down the line, and that's what counts. Anyways, just want to give you guys a heads up on that. Great topic. I appreciate it. Hit home. Keep up the good work. Adios and aloha. The important thing is is that um, he's trying to stay wet. Like, in, he's staying wet in the river, which I think is great. And, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, look, it's hard. It, it is hard. And I would – what's – What's sort of underneath all that is, should we feel like a sense of, I don't want to say shame that we're not surfing, but should we feel a sense of um, that we're neglecting a part of our lives now that that we're, was such a huge central fact of our self-identification? Mm -hmm. And that's where it's like, you know, and the answer is no, you know, you are you, you are who you are, and it doesn't matter um, as long as, you know, you're living your life according to your own plan and your own ideals. And if that means being a father and a great father and, and moving inland and having a mortgage and, and taking care of your kids and doing all the stuff that you need to do, um, more power to you, you know, and you'll always be a surfer, you know, you'll always be a surfer. I, I think yes, but <clears throat> gravitating gravitating towards that central ideal that you talk about is also a positive thing and something to aspire to throughout because it's okay if your goals change it's okay if you spend less time at the beach or less time obsessing about surfing which by the way is frivolous and your and your um ideals do shift towards let's say a family nucleus i think that's totally healthy but 
there there's something i don't know if it's just ingrained in human dna or maybe male dna where it's like chasing that uh being one with nature which comes with a certain amount of athleticism and physicality or physical requirement and athletic requirement vitalizes the soul you know what i mean and it um and then that allows you to feel fresher for your parenting duties and your husband duties and the providing for the family duties and all that sort of stuff. And so if you just focus or if you get caught in the mire of trying to be that provider, then you almost become a flaccid version of yourself. And it's almost not it's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for them. And so there has to be a balance of doing both things, of shifting your ideals but still your childhood central ideal still is part of you. And playing in that space keeps you young in a lot of ways. And I think the ocean and the surfing is actually the fastest way to tap back into that. And so maybe it means you're inland, you stay fit so that when you get back in the water, you can kind of fully activate that in a really quick way. Yeah. Oh, it was really, very well put, you know, um, there is a balance and, it, you know, if you go, you got to have some balance basically is what you're saying. And it's important. And the balance shifts. And so, but to abandon it completely is a misstep. And so acknowledging the balance shifting, but still actively running towards, you know, uh, your new ideals, I think is kind of the key. Like fully embrace the family life. Don't feel guilty. If you're feeling guilty about missing surfing and then your family, you know, you're not fully engaged with your family because of it, that's a problem. So fully embrace both things. Yes, my ideals have shift. I love my family. I'm fully present here. And when I get this break, I'm going straight to the beach. Or maybe I'm going to do push-ups every day so that when I get that chance, I go straight to the beach and fully engage with that and really be present in that too, you know? The worst thing ever is regretting, like feeling guilty that you know there's a swell and so you're not present with your family. And then when you're at the beach surfing, feeling guilty that you're not with your family and then you're not present while you're surfing. That's the worst case scenario, you know? Which I, which I sensed a little twinge of in his voice. Um, feeling the guilt of not only riding the Linden two times. It's like, that's okay. But when you're on it, go big, you know, go full, full bore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but the thrills, the thrill certainly shifts. And that's where foiling comes in too, for you, I think is how this conversation started last week. Yeah. You know, um, foiling is just another way to engage when it's crappy and it keeps me in the water. And in our age, like the caller, he's 55, I'm 58. When the waves are small and um, El Nino year, uh, you know, notwithstanding, it's usually pretty, you know, there's m numerous months of pretty small surf. Um, there's an energy underneath the crappy waves that you can tap into where you're going fast and you're doing things that you're just blown away how killer it is. And it's uh, it's a mind blower, but it's difficult. It's difficult to learn to foil. It's not easy. Which is, which is great too. Yeah. Doing something difficult is also awesome. Um, so the longboard uh, finals, WSL longboard finals, were actually taking place during the weekend of the boardroom show. They were supposed to run on Saturday, but the waves were so small that they actually called the event, put the event on hold. And then ultimately, I think they ran Monday in one day. Um, were you able to part watch any of this or anything? No, I didn't. I was, I'm heavily involved in the boardroom show that weekend and in, and in follow-up all this week. So Yeah, fair enough. Well, um Sole Erico. So by the way, we've talked a little bit about the longboard tour over the course of the last couple of years when they were doing one event, then they were doing an event at Surf Ranch. We have not acknowledged that they've actually created a little bit of a tour now. I think they had four events this year. And so it's an improvement over what they've done in the past. Um, but apparently we're still not fully watching. <laughs> so even though they gave us what we wanted, we're still not engaging with it. And I'll be honest, I've tried to. I watch a little bit here and there. It's just not super engaging for whatever reason. Um, but the the finals day, it was small, but the surfing was really, really good. And the waves, the set waves were actually really good. Um, so Sole Erico won the world title. It's back-to-back -back, uh, world title, and it's her third world title. So that's really something. And then Kai Salas also won on the men's side. So those are the updates from Malibu this past week. 
Well, congratulations to Solel and Kai, and I'm sure they put on quite a per uh, performance. Well, Thomas Beckson was straight from the boardroom show up to Malibu on Monday. So, uh, and a lot of people did, by the way, from the boardroom show. So had they actually run on Saturday, people would have had to deal with uh, missing one or the other. Oh, yeah. Other major surf news uh, or surfboard news, Hayden Shapes Factory, I believe it's in Mona Vale, burned yeah. to the ground. Do you know anything about this story? I know. I know. It was, a link was sent to me. I, I watched sort of the Sydney Morning News um, as it was occurring, the you know, breaking news. But yeah, the Hayden Shapes Factory completely burned down, gutted. It's, and um, sadly, I think one of the workers was hospitalized. I don't know the outcome of, of that situation in regards to him, but um, that's that's never a good thing for all involved. And we hope that um, Hayden shapes that they get back on their feet and get get uh, you know make get back to making surfboards. Yeah, I have no idea what the cause was or any of the circumstances of the fire itself. But thankfully, there was only one employee there. Um, Hayden took to Instagram six days ago and said, first, I'm so grateful that no one was critically hurt and that the necessary steps were taken by the one team member there at the time who actioned the safety equipment to protect themselves and exit the building safely. That's what matters most, their well-being. I want to thank the new South Wales Fire and Rescue crew who are unbelievable in containing the fire within the building and ensuring that our neighbors' buildings were okay and that it didn't spread. I have made surfboards in Mona Vale for 25 years and all of the community support from locals, customers, and other board manufacturers with offers to support and help have been very much appreciated. I'm proud that an industry and community of our community and industry here uh, and that we support each other in times like this. Thank you, Hayden. So major tragedy, but um, yeah. Hayden's super savvy and smart and I'm sure insured. And so it will take time, but I expect to see a return to form from Hayden. Um, but yeah, pretty sad stuff there. Yeah. <clears throat> Total bummer. And yeah. Um, we look no. forward to seeing those things, his shop back in, back in service. Two other major news stories this week. Italo Ferreira is off Billabong. Hmm. Okay after six years with the bong. And so I don't know if this was related to um, the shift in corporate structure for the company or not. His contract was uh, expired, but you would just presume that he would get re-signed and that everybody wants a piece of Idolo, former world champ, Olympian, and presumably a future world champ as well, kind of at the top of his game. So curious what's behind that and also what comes next. Like where does he go from here? Who picks him up? Yeah, you know, frankly, I got to admit, I'm not too keyed in to who's doing what uh, as far as teams, you know, billabong, blah, blah, blah. My gut feeling is that if you're billabong and you're looking at cutting costs um, or, I guess, tightening up your team, all, all bets are on Ethan Ewing. Well... I don't know. I mean, they're so divergent and equally adept at winning a world title, I would say, with the current judging format. So I, I think it bears having both because I Ethan's just, Australia. More, more of a marketing vehicle than, than um, I look at it this way, David. You've got Idlo and you've got Ethan Ewing. You've got markets that are in the USA and in Australia and in Hawaii and, and other places. And you've got a market in Brazil. Um, understanding that this is a business-driven decision, which guy is going to be better for your marketing to those areas, you know? Mm. And again, we're just, you and I are just riffing here. I don't, I don't know what's behind the decision-making, um, but it, I think it does come down to which guy moves the needle regarding sales, not regarding a world championship. Interesting. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, Idolo would be a great get for any team, you know, but also he's not going to be cheap. Like Idolo knows his value. And so he's going to set a price. And so I think this is kind of also a reflection of, um, that might be the case that he's yeah. like, Hey, I got to get mine while I got it. And I want this. And if you can't provide this, I'm out. And they went, exactly. okay. But again, exactly. we don't, I don't know what went down. We need to get to the bottom of this. Well, also like, who's our insiders has got insight. Well, also, who's got cash to pony up for that price tag now? Who's going to take that place on his board, you know? Yeah. 
I mean, for that number, I can get two up and comer guys that I think are going to be great on tour, you know, whoever it is, maybe the, the kid from San Clemente or whoever, you know, um, what's that new kid's name from San Clemente that made the tour? Cole Hauschman. Yes. Cole, like maybe we throw money at Cole. I mean, you know, yeah. whose star is rising, whose star is falling. I don't know. Well, interestingly, I think Cole, if I'm not mistaken, is on Visla, and I don't think Visla's ever had a team rider on the WSL before. Yeah. On the CT. Yeah. So, and one adjacent news story, um, new head judge, Pratamo Arendt has stepped down, was asked to step down, it seems, and he's being replaced by, um, let me see, Luli Pereira, a Brazilian judge who has been on the judging panel for a number of years, but he's now stepping into the head judge position, and Pratamo is reportedly moving on from the WSL to uh, who knows what. Yeah, I, I got that news, and it seems like big news, but I kind of wonder if it is big news. Um, and it's also the kind of news you can't really – we have to wait and see, you know, if it was yeah. a good decision or a bad decision. What interests me about that is how involved were the surfers in this decision. That's what interests me, and I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I don't know either. But it's worth noting, and we'll kind of keep tabs yeah. on it as the – as the year develops. Yes. All right. Well, look, um, I do have a hard out here. So unless you have something else. I w well, I would like to acknowledge um, Kelly Slater. We discussed a news story a while back about um, Greg Browning developing, I believe it's ALS. <clears throat> That's horrible. Yeah. That is such a horrible. Yeah. I mean, I'll, there's a lot of horrible diseases, but that's that one's pretty bad. Yeah, it is. And, um, so I just wanted to acknowledge Kelly Slater, or Parker, Parker Browning, Greg's son, posted on Instagram and said, this will go down as the best, one of the best days of my life. Surfing with families uh, and sharing memories that will live on forever. And it was a photo of him getting barreled at Surf Ranch, and Greg Browning was actually taking the photo in selfie mode as Parker, his son, was getting barreled right behind him. So Kelly Slater invited Greg Browning and his family out to Surf Ranch for a day of surfing. And as much as you and I poo-poo the uh, Surf Ranch and wave pools for um, I don't poo-poo the wave I love the well, wave no, pools. No, about. Don't ruin my potential opportunity to surf there again, my friend. Well, as you much as love, we... I love surfing there. As much as we poo-poo it for being a venue on tour, right. we both acknowledge that it is a phenomenal day of surfing personally. Like having oh, the opportunity incredible. to surf it is. In my eyes, it's a bucket list thing. It's like it, they're right there with Jay Bay. It totally is. I mean, it's incredible. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's right there with Jay Bay, but it's in its, <laughs> it's, in its own way. It's its own thing. And it yeah. is an incredible day. And it's just pure joy. You know what I mean? Like it is Disneyland for adults. So um, really, really cool that Kelly offered that opportunity to the Browning family. And it's just great to see the Browning family happy and shredding. So Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's not quite Jay Bay, but um, it's quicker. <laughs> you can do it in a day and you're back to work. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, let's get real. If you were given an opportunity to surf one day at Pumping Jay Bay or one day at Pumping Surf Ranch, what would you pick? I would pick Jay Bay. Thank you. <laughs> I've never either. I okay. One day of pumping J-Bay or one day of foiling a mushy spot near your house? J-Bay. Thank you. All right. You've, you've, you've corrected and, um, you I've know. Right, yeah, righted the ship. Righted the ship and re-identified with all of our core listenership. Yeah, J-Bay is J-Bay's a whole different thing for sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, look. Great show, um, David. And until next time, adios and aloha.
like something.